Hello, everybody. Welcome to Oscar Sunday. I'm Connor Izagari. I'm Caleb Bourget. And you're probably wondering, uh, this is not the show we expected to hear this week. Right there with you. Uh, we had a bit of a uh, medical emergency. Uh, everybody's okay, but um, Austin's daughter, Willow, has quite a fever. So he is uh, hanging back, taking care of business, and I am taking over the Oscar episode with Caleb here, our resident Oscar hater. So this ought to be a very interesting episode. A resident anti-Oscar man. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, yeah, dude, I, I had, you know, obviously knew about what was going on with uh, Rilo when you told me. Um, and then you said you were doing it alone. I was like, no, uh, I can help. Uh, I can put aside some of the anger and I can help out here. So you have more than just yourself to bounce off of. We're, we're past those, those days of the show. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like this is there'll be the first solo gig I've done in three years on this show, and it just it wouldn't feel right. It would feel weird, incomplete, and it would be shit for you guys. <laughs> like I know that. I know if you guys looked at the back catalog, I doubt anybody's listening to the ones I did myself. I don't even like listen to them. Uh, so we're gonna do what we can here to discuss the upcoming uh, Oscars, which are tonight. If you're listening to this on Sunday. Uh, we're going to give our two cents on what we think is going to win, what we think should win. And we're going to end with our opinions of how to restructure the show, how to make the Oscars a little bit more palatable, more fun, more inclusive, and uh, as Amy Schumer free as possible. So, yeah, I'm not happy about that. <laughs> what a weird set of hosts they have this year. I, Regina Hall and Wanda Sykes, I can get behind. I fucking despise Amy Schumer. So I don't... I'm- I don't I've want never thought she, I've never thought she was funny. I like Regina Hall. Um, obviously, a lot of that love is because it's a scary movie. She was always to me one of the best parts about that. <laughs> Sydney, your TV's leaking. Cracks <laughs> <laughs> me up every time. Uh, Wanda Sykes, uh, she's always hilarious, like always a funny woman. Um, I know she's been doing a lot of like in, animated uh, voiceovers more recently as opposed mm-hmm. to a lot of uh, live action stuff. But again, she's still, you know, just as funny in those as she is when it's hard on screen, you know. Um, but yeah, Amy Schumer, I've never really liked her stand up. I haven't seen Trainwreck yet, which I hear is good, but I just haven't bothered to watch it. I'm just, I'm not a huge Amy Schumer fan. I don't like anybody who blames society when their special isn't a success. Yeah. Oh, Maybe yeah. Her it's last, not funny. Her last Netflix one that like bombed. Yeah. And she's like, well, men don't find me funny. No, I think nobody finds you funny. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a gender plenty, thing. There's plenty of female comedians doing great. Yeah. It's not a yeah, it's not that women aren't funny, it's that you aren't funny. <laughs> anyway, uh she's going to be our one of three hosts, so I'm going to have to tune that shit out. But we got a very interesting bunch of films up this year if you've if you've been paying attention. I've seen a good chunk of these films. Uh some I was not able to get to. Cannot get to Parallel Mothers, just not available yet. Uh, but all 10 best picture nominees, I, I got through them. Uh, and I liked pretty much all of them, uh, with a couple exceptions. Uh, but we'll get to that. Um, I know you haven't been going through the Oscar stuff cause you did not expect to be here tonight and I get it. Uh, plus most of these films just aren't your cup of tea. I get it. You know, we've all got genres we like, and I, I suffer through a lot of dramas. I wouldn't rather watch because of the Oscars. I, I admit that. Yeah. Hey, look, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of you for suffering through these. 
Yeah, it, it's not even like I'm not against things outside of horror. You, you know, but there's plenty of like traumas I love, um, plenty of action, I love comedy. There is. I'm a big fan. You know, I like Goodwill Hunting. All right, Shawshank. Okay. Random shout, but all right, Goodwill Hunting and Shawshank. Good dramas. I like, solid dramas. I like. I like some traumas. God damn it. <laughs> I've known you for a long time. I honestly can't remember a conversation we had about a drama. I don't talk about them as often, but I do watch them and like them. I just don't talk about them as often as I do other stuff. Um, I believe you. Like, uh, was it, I think you, was it David O'Russell you guys talking about, like with the fighter and Silver Lines Playbook? Yeah, I love both those movies. Um, so yeah, see, I do. They pop up here and there for me. Um, but no, it's, I mean, it's not my first go-to cup of tea. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm much more into like going for horror or like, action comedies type stuff um which is surprisingly like all three genres oscars don't like but hey it is what it is i'll get to that in the in the second part of the show well but i mean the oscars you know this show isn't entirely just you know sucking the academy's dick we do take them to task when we feel like they got things wrong we you know we think it's weird to award art in the first place but the awards is still significant to film history. It still matters to, you know, a film success in some cases, you know, Academy Award winning film, Academy Award winning actor that that carries weight in the film community. So we still like to show, you know, celebrate the work as best we can. And uh, but that's not saying the Oscars are infallible. They're a bunch of pretentious dicks who don't even watch the full movie. So, you know, we're Can working with what we got here. That part blows my mind that they get like 15 minutes. I'm like, if everyone, like your only job is to watch the film for an award, then watch the whole film. Yeah, I don't even get paid for this. I watched every movie in its entirety because I feel that's how you best judge a a, a film. If you're just watching 15 minutes, how are you going to know if this is a good movie or not? Yeah, like when was it? They watched 15 minutes of American Sniper. They clearly did not watch the scene with the fucking fake baby in the movie. Well, I just like, you know, thinking of my favorite movies, you know, Back to the Future, The Mummy, Mars Attacks. There are 15 minute increments in all of these movies that are pretty boring. Like, so if you're just watching like that part of a movie, you're not going to get the full experience. Yeah, there's there's I mean, even films I love, like there's very, very few films where like there aren't most of them going, "Eh." you know what I mean? There's a certain part of the movie. So, yeah, it's weird. Um, but like, yeah, with that said, I don't want to, I don't want to bash too much right now. Um, well, anytime that, to bash that, later on. Yeah. Uh, with that said, like, look, there are Oscar na- nominated films. I do really enjoy, um, but not because like for me, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's not because of the Oscar prestige. It's just, that I thought the movie was good. I want to say the year, <sighs> the year that Parasite in 1917, what was that? The 2020 Oscars. Yeah. Okay, that year I liked a lot of those movies, a lot. Parasite was really good. Nineteen Seventeen was really good. Ford F. Fiari, like I, Jojo Rabbit, like I was on board that year for those films. All very stellar films. Yeah, and it is important to to uh, specify a film isn't good because it's Oscar nominated. A film is Oscar nominated most of the time because it's good. So. You know, make you know, make sure that distinction is known. And if, none of these films that we've covered on this show, from one to now, has been this is a great movie because the Oscars said so. That's never been the case. Yeah, and that's just usually what ends up happening with me, right? When the Oscars are that, like, for me, 
it's a lot of films I'm not as into. Um, so like I said, that you have your years like 2020 where like the films are nominating. I'm generally like into seeing them. Like, oh no, these look really good. Um, it's just a lot of times, unfortunately, it happens. A lot of this year's films are getting nominated. I wasn't jumping at the chance. I do want to watch Don't Look Up. I do. But at the same time, just because I'm so worried about political films because some stuff in my own personal life I've talked to you about with uh, certain family members. It's like it's hard for me sometimes to sit through those kind of films now. Um, but with that said, like at least for here, yeah, I haven't, I wasn't prepared. You know, I wasn't expecting to be on this episode, but hey, I'll do my part to help out and do, especially for Austin's show. He, you know, he's, he's being a good dad right now and watching out for his daughter. Um, so I'll do my best. And I may not have seen these films, but I know a lot of the directors and actors and stuff like that. But I feel like I can have something to do my two cents. And yeah, context clues. It's important. So I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see uh, where this goes. So the 2022, the 94th Academy Awards are tonight, hosted by Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes, and Amy Schumer. Uh, I like how you just silently say that one and then look like, away. I don't like talking about it. I don't like knowing that I have to sit through essentially a three-hour Amy Schumer stand-up piece because I know she's going to hog the, the microphone as much as she can. Yeah, it's... Oh God. I mean, at least there's not someone problematic in the sense that, like, they got James Franco just for that to, like, age, like, spoiled cheese years years later. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I know Schumer tried to convince the Academy to uh, get... Uh, the Ukrainian president to zoom in for like best picture, which is some tone deaf cr- shit to say. So that right oh, there is like, this oh, lady does not know how reality works. No, he does. Z- Zelensky, I believe is his name. Yeah. Does not care. I'm sorry. Let me put some respect on that fucking glorious human being of a man. Uh, Mr. Zelensky. I'm sorry, sir. Does not care about the Oscars. He's too busy taking a gun himself and defending his goddamn country. Yeah, I don't know if you heard, but he's occupied in more ways than one right now. So, yeah, maybe don't bother him with frivolous shit like movie awards when there's a war going on. He's stopping KGB type uh, assassins from killing him. Like, that's what he's doing. He's not worried about the Oscars right now. You really want this? You're going to want him presenting best picture. That's such a waste of his time. I can't believe this was even considered. But yeah, this is the, these are the people we're dealing with. Anyway, that's tonight's show. Uh, for the first time, they are doing a uh, popular movie award, which is stupid, that uh, audiences get to vote on. Uh, apparently, the top contenders are Spider-Man No Way Home, which got almost entirely shut out, and uh, Dune, which did not. I think it'd be funny if Dune picks up the participation trophy, too. <laughs> it, I remember when I read about that, and I was like, you know what's sad about this is that they're doing it as usual to say that they're trying. Like, hey, look, most popular film award. They're not airing it. It was on Twitter. It's just like a thing for fans to do. It has no weight to the actual awards. It is It is meaningless. It is absolutely meaningless. They were just like, yep, there you go. We did it. We, we gave it to you guys. There you go. I'm like... considering like 14 to 18 people are still watching this i mean what what have you done for me lately (laughs) you know what i mean 
it just feels like, what am I getting out of this relationship? I, I'm Spider-Man No Way Home nominations. That's what. <laughs> apparently not. Uh, and that seems like a good segue into the actual nominees. Uh, we're going to talk about these a bit, talk about what we think's going to win, what we think should win, because those aren't always the same thing. And uh, just shine a little light on these before tonight's show. So we begin with best visual effects. Okay. Dune, Free Guy, No Time to Die, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, and Spider-Man No Way Home. Hmm. I want to say... What will win is Dune. What will win is Dune. Oh, God. I think for me, what should win, it's actually a toss-up, honestly. And I wasn't the biggest fan of Dune, you know, put that out there. But what should win is a toss-up between Dune and Spider-Man No Way Home for me. Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a real toss-up between those two. Also, I just want to point out, I know for a fact you've seen all five of these. I have seen these. This there is you go. Tiger. I have seen these. Free Guy was hilarious. Yeah. I did not expect that movie to be as funny as it was. It was fucking hilarious. Friendly gesture. I it kills me every time. What the shit? <laughs> Catchphrase. Dude was my favorite part of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I love that Free Guys an Oscar nominated film, and we could do a full Oscar Sunday on it down the road. Probably won't, but we could. But Ryan Reynolds now has a film that's Oscar nominated. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. All right. So I think it's a it's a sure bet. Dune's winning this. Uh, the rest of these films just James Bond does not have the best track record at at the, the uh, Oscars. There've been a couple, but no. In, and uh, visual effects, I just don't get me wrong. I really like No Time to Die, but it wasn't one of the reasons I liked it so much was not because of visual effects. I actually didn't even really notice that many. Yeah, I think that's entirely for the ending with the the missile barrage. I mean, that's the only effect. Maybe like the viral death that everyone gets i don't i don't really know i don't think this i really that's the one that i was like yeah that's no why i mean eternals was not a great movie but visually it was amazing and that should probably be here visually yeah if you're talking visual effects again yeah i'd take out no time nine put in um eternals um but i i I don't know if they just didn't want to overload with marvel because they had spider-man and shang chi there well, then why not throw some love to DC and throw the Suicide Squad in there? Yeah, that's true. That was a critically like lauded film, so yeah. I don't know why they didn't just go ahead and do it for that one. And Starro the Conqueror looked great. Yeah, so, yeah I, I don't know. Uh, in terms of what I think should win, I think give it to Spider-Man. Just, just give it to Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. That's it's deserved it's awesome spider-man's visual effects were really really good but i mean admittedly i even i can say visually speaking dune visual effects wise was gorgeous i may have been kind of like i i per, my take on dune has always been like i it felt kind of soulless to me storyline wise and character wise like it was just so bland and soulless to me but visual effects were top fucking notch like i won't take that away from the movie no it's not winning screenplay but it, it's probably going to take visual effects and i think some other production awards as well but we'll get to that yeah, but yeah, I, I would love for this to go with Spider-Man. I just, it's going to be Dune. They're going to look at that and go like, oh yeah, let's give it to Dune. I will laugh my ass off if Free Guy gets it somehow. <laughs> I would love that. 
I think that'd be amazing. But you know, probably not. You, you, you know that we get brought up in like Deadpool three as a joke. Deadpool would just walk in with an Oscar and never address it, but he would like place it down gingerly next to like a DVD of Free Guy. <laughs> it would be that like overt, and then he would just like point at it and be like, "Huh," and then continue with the movie. Ah, all right. Visual effects. Uh, probably going to Dune. My vote's for Spider-Man, and your personal vote was also Spider-Man? I'm going to say Spider-Man as well, yeah. It, I was really between that and Dune, but I'll go, I'll go Spider-Man, just be different, and not pick Dune for two different things. Fair enough. Uh, film editing. Don't Look Up, Dune, King Richard, The Power of the Dog, and Tick, Tick, Boom. Film editing is always the most for me anyway, the most difficult category to kind of decide what's be- like, what's best. I don't really know. Uh, editing films got, you know, an art form in itself and you kind of just got to make a guess here. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's weird. Cause like, well, unless like with editing, this is some kind of, I kind of got, I taught, I got tired in film school when I, when I was going, um, but like good editing, you're usually not going most, right? Like if it's just good traditional editing, you're not going to notice because things things are flowing the way they should. Characters are, you know, things are making sense right. Callbacks are happening the way they should. Things like that, right? Yeah. Bad editing, you notice because you're like, well, why do you edit it there? You, you know, you can notice bad editing. Yeah. If you notice good editing, it's usually a stylistic choice. Like when you watch a Tarantino film, you can notice how specific he is. With um, for a while, Sally uh, Minky, his longtime editor, for she unfortunately passed away. He got you know a new one. Um, I his new editor's name slips my mind right now. Forgive me, but uh, you know his films. You know, there's he has a style. You know, he has a very that you can tell what his editing tricks that he's using for the film. So usually it's one of those things that like if they have a style and there's a certain flair that they're adding, that's then yeah you'll notice editing. But nine times out of ten, if that's not the case and it's good editing, so you're not going to notice it. You know what I mean? Like. Jurassic Park, great fucking movies. As anyone knows, it's my favorite film of all time. You don't sit there and notice the editing because they just did a real good job of making sure that film flowed. True. And I feel like at the Oscars, if you're going to be up for film editing, you got to get creative with the way you edit yeah, your film. You got to be like, I guess you should be like Tarantino or I'm trying to, or you, mainly those really avant-garde type of filmmakers, you know, that are really going for it. Um, David Lynch. Got to be like them when it comes to your editing, in my opinion. That's why I think this is probably going to go to the power of the dog. Uh, I think it's just, it's the subtlety. Uh, and, you know, t- there's like a, you know, if, if a film gets film editing, it's like more than likely going to take best picture. I read that somewhere. Uh, I, my personal vote goes to Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, that film is very creative in the storytelling and the way the film is edited between uh, Larson's play of Tick, Tick, Boom and hit the story of what inspired Tick, Tick, Boom is very, it's very good flow and also, you know, very well put together. Uh, so I hope Tick, Tick, Boom takes it. Okay. I wouldn't, just because of what I've heard that Paradox tells, which is um, a story that Sam Elliott did not like said in the old West. Um, it, it probably will go to it. Cause it sounds like they were trying to do like, you know, be subtle in telling their story. Um, you know what I was thinking of actually just that came to mind when we talked about editing. Um, recently, Ty West's X, 
that that was stylistic editing right there how he was having a lot of the 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 porn scenes of that film the porn they were filming in that film you know film within a film match with the horror that was happening in the film that we were watching um so that's what i mean like right there was like that's very stylistic editing that you can tell that's what they're going for um Dude, so many horror films are dependent on good editing and they are constantly shut out by the oscars when they are doing it better than anybody uh, yeah i, that's I would argue that yeah, I would argue that horror and comedy rely so much on good editing for, you know, in one case, suspense and scares, and another for a perfectly timed laugh. Yeah, it's, you know, the hardest thing, I think, in uh, storytelling is to scare somebody and to make them laugh. Like, two opposite sides of the spectrum, and you got to have perfect timing, you got to have perfect atmosphere to accomplish either one. And, mm-hmm. you know, film editing is a crucial aspect of that, and it sucks that, you know, the Academy still, after 94 shows, has not realize that yeah and this is it they probably do they just eh. but and that's why i said like for me it's weird that they always pick like dramas for these because technically speaking a drama is never going to have that much of a stylistic edit usually obviously you have your exceptions because you could argue pulp fiction's a trauma but tarantino like really edits the fuck out of that or sorry sally minky edits the fuck out of that with tarantino um but not like not outside of that. And I tell us like it's a trauma. They're telling a fairly standard story, um, so it's not going to be the most like amazingly edited thing. So just based off what you kind of what I know about these films, um, and I know I, I made the same Elliot joke. It's just real funny that Sam Elliot has so many issues with Power of the Dog for the stupidest of reasons. Um, but just based off the story, it's telling. And what I know about that, I wouldn't be surprised if Power of the Dog gets it. Yeah, we'll see. It's not even the Old West. It's 1925. So Sam Elliott's got his facts wrong there, too. So it's like five years before the Depression. Okay. Yeah. And it's not even like it's it's subtle. And it's a, it's a character development thing. But, I mean, it's not even, it's not a big deal. It's no. I, I Sam Elliott. Based, I don't get it. Based off the honest trailers, it's subtle, but not subtle. Just that so one scene where Cumberbatch shoves a scarf down his pants. Like, that's kind of it. Well, and then they showed that scene where he's like putting the pole on the ground <laughs> or whatever it is. And I, I was dying. I was like, yeah, that is not subtle. I'm, look, tell your story how you want. Subtle answer. I don't give a shit. Tell it. But that, it made me laugh. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of phallic imagery. Not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> next up, costume design. Cruella, Cyrano, Dune, Nightmare Alley, and West Side Story. Hmm. Knowing, oh God. See, what I want to win is actually acrylics. I thought costume design was fucking. You said costume design, right? Yes. Okay, costume design was fucking stellar in Corella. Um, was really really good. What I think will ultimately win though is, oh, you know what? I haven't seen it, but I'm actually going to say uh, Serrano. Because they love their fucking period pieces. It's a period piece, and they're wearing the period. It, they love that shit. True. However, the one thing that always tends to beat a period film is a movie about fashion. That's true, too. I didn't take so, that into consideration. So I think Cruella might actually get this. You think it has a chance? I think it does. I think it does. It's a film about fashion. They show off so many different 
designs. They really go all out for costume in Cruella. Cyrano does have that, you know, the period backing. But from what I hear, it's not a very good movie. And the Oscars does sometimes take that into account. Dune is just black suits in the sand. So I don't I, I don't think that's going to. Yeah, I, I really don't see how Dune's going to get that one. Because, yeah, it's I'm not saying the costume is bad, but it's again, it's, it's not the most exciting costuming I've seen. Nightmare Alley, again, suits. Just suits in the in the 20s. Yeah. And again, it's costume is really, really good. It, it definitely evokes the period piece, but and I and I know you do I know I like Nightmare Alley. I know you weren't the biggest fan of it. Um but yeah, it doesn't and when I watched it, even with its costume, I didn't think like this should get an Oscar. This is splendid costuming. <laughs> and then West Side Story, I really just don't want to take anything because West Side Story already did that in 1961. Yeah. At the same time, that's one I would not be surprised if it were to get, but I don't think they like musicals as much as they used to at the Oscars. Thank God. You know, musicals used to have their own score category. Yeah, I remember I listened to your guys' Wizard of Oz episode because I have seen Wizard of Oz, and it's, I, I actually enjoy that movie. Um, so, Oh, hey, see there? Fun little fact. I do enjoy stuff outside of horror. I don't know. A lot of people consider Wizard of Oz to be the scariest movie of all time. <laughs> If you consider that to be scary from all time in 2022, okay. Um, I know I talked about this on the Wizard of Oz, but I talked about it with Austin. I never talked about it with you. Scarecrow has a fucking gun. Does he? When they're hunting the witch in the in the woods after the, uh, the wizard says, bring me the broomstick of the witch. And like Cowardly Lion has like a net and, you know, they're all holding various weapons. Scarecrow has a fucking gun. He has a pistol. Oh yeah, Scarecrow. Hell yeah. Where did he get that? In Oz. And why isn't he plugging monkeys? Oz may not even be real. So like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, it's just such a funny little detail that's never addressed. <laughs> Scarecrow's just packing. <laughs> hey, you don't know what Scarecrow's seen out on those streets on the yellow brick road? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I do think Corella is going to take it and it is my my pick for it as well yeah yeah i i watched that even i was like this is some fucking this is like some fucking stellar costuming yeah when you're gonna make a movie about fashion i'm honestly surprised house of gucci got nothing here yeah that that film didn't get pretty like snubbed at the oscars this year it got one nomination which we're about to talk about but yeah it got completely shut out ridley scott both of his oscar bait films got shut out house of gucci and the last duel God damn, not, not a good year for Mr. Scott. Oh, I am trying to worry about this alien movie that Petty <laughs> ever sees. Is he going to overcompensate with that shit? Well, I, I'll say this. I liked both House of Gucci and The Last Duel. I thought they were good movies. So I don't really get why they got shut out. I thought they deserved a place here. So I don't think it's Ridley Scott. That's the problem. I do think he's probably talking shit to somebody. <laughs> he has to be. I need yeah. to check those two out. I've been hearing good. Well, I've heard uh, good things about Last Duel. You're one of the few people that really likes House of Gucci. So I'm curious to see where I stand on that because I've heard wide range of things on that one. House of Gucci, it sold me on the performances. It's super long, but I really liked everybody's involvement. Al Pacino has like a Michael Corleone moment towards the end of the movie that was like, you know, I knew it was you. Like he has like a recreation of that almost. And it was like, you got to see a glimpse of 70s Pacino for the first time in like 30 years. So that was really cool. Uh, yeah, it's it's worth a watch. It's long as shit, but it's worth a watch. Okay. Uh, best makeup and hairstyling. 
Coming to America, Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. Coming to America. Holy shit. Who'd have thought? Uh, the Eddie Murphy sequel that came and went that nobody liked <laughs> got a nomination for Best Makeup. <laughs> that is weird that that... Okay. <laughs> I love when comedies randomly sneak in here. It always makes me laugh. Jackass should have come out sooner, right? They would have had a chance at this. <laughs> for how good they all look in their 50s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe. Um, oh, those films, you know, got to be edited perfectly to like to capture the best version of each stunt. Yeah, those should have reactions. Whole, yeah, those should have a whole bunch of best film editing nominations. They really should, yeah, because they have to like really make sure they get good fucking shots and they linger just long enough on the reactions. Yeah, I love yeah. when they show the fuck up for comedic effect and then like the full stunt, like when the rocket didn't shoot into the lake. In oh the yeah, on the new one when they accidentally like. They were adjusting the hand for Steve-O and they <laughs> fucking did it too much and it just sent them into the fucking pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, best makeup. Um, this is probably going to go to Dune uh, for the Baron. Yeah. Well, oh. Dune's probably going to get this. You know, I don't think it deserves it. I, based off what I've seen in trailers and screenshots of Eyes of Tammy Faye, I throw it to that because of Jessica Chastain. Because yeah. holy shit, did they fucking make her look like Tammy Faye? I was even impressed when I saw that trailer. I was like, God damn. Um, uh, I don't see House of Gucci taking it. I feel like they're gonna, you know, just stare at Ridley Scott while they give it to somebody else. Probably, even though I, I'd say like again, based off trailer, I, I think that film. I would say that or Eyes of Tammy Faye. How'd you get your Eyes of Tammy Faye? Because that actually looks like they went out of the way to make the characters look as closely to these real life people as possible. Or is Dune like, okay, yeah, the Baron, but everyone else looks like how I expect them to look. Minus Momoa being beardless. Well, Batista was like white, (laughs) like pale, like ghost white. Like he hasn't been. Blue or green or whatever for Guardians of the Galaxy. Thank you. <laughs> I read that Skarsgård was in the makeup chair for like eight plus hours to become the Baron. That's insane. So the, the work that went into that, I feel like, is going to be rewarded at, at this awards. Probably, probably. So that's that's my pick, and probably what I think is going to take it. But if Coming to America scores this, I will I will laugh and I will be happy. Just just cause. Because why not? Yeah, it's from Eddie Murphy playing various characters, obviously. Um, now we're getting into some cool shit. Cinematography. We have Dune by Grieg Fraser, Nightmare Alley, Dan Laustsen, Power of the Dog, Ari Wegner, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Bruno Del Bonnell, and West Side Story, Janos Kaminsky. Cinematography. I absolutely want this to go to the tragedy of Macbeth. I was about to say, I, I'm actually going to say, I'm, I'm tossed up between Nightmare Alley, which I thought Stephen Trifer was really good in Nightmare Alley, and um, honestly, Tragedy of Macbeth, because it's a black and white movie. 
Well, that and just the way he the way they used the camera to convey this sense of menace and isolation and complete madness was really, really good. Uh, it's my favorite version of Macbeth I've ever seen on film. Uh, and that's a big part of uh, that's a big part of it. Power of the Dog has a very good chance here. Uh, the way they really uh, shine with the Western landscape. Uh, mm-hmm. Very good. It's like, you know, the way people are filmed small like very small like the land you know the the landscape is a, almost a character overarching at oh, all times okay. Okay. Then, that was good i'm gonna say uh, you know i'm gonna stick to what i've seen i'm gonna say it's triggered nightmare alley i will not take away what you've said about tragedy macbeth i've seen the trailer for that it looked like they were going for it hard on cinematography and I want to see what will probably win will probably be if it's any indication of how much Oscars are gunning for this film will be the power of the dog. Cause they really seem to have a hard on for that movie. Yeah. Well said. Um, yes. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, all five of those films uh, do deserve that nomination. I'll give it that. Yeah. Um, production design is the exact same set of movies. Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The Tragedy of Macbeth, and West Side Story. <laughs> I'm going to say what should win is actually, I'm going to say Nightmare Alley again, because I've seen it, right? Um, and I, I really like how he brought 1930s, um, 40s America to life. Uh, we'll, we'll probably, oh, God, but we'll probably win. <sighs> Dune, I, I would say Dune has a chance, depending on how much they love Villeneuve. Um, true i think dune was very well put together though the sets are amazing so i, I think dune does yeah will probably take this i was like again i i stand by like technically this film is a it fucking lights out for me with dune technically speaking it was just like the stuff i care a little bit more about i wasn't into well i didn't say hurt but yeah i do i yeah i wouldn't be surprised if dune gets this one production design wise yeah what he brought to life very impressive. I am. I'm. I'm. I'm really shocked that Dune made such an Oscar splash. You don't see sci-fi make this kind of attention usually. I mean, occasionally you get an Avatar or a District Nine, but most of the time it's never this big a punch. No, it's usually like one category, one two categories. But this year, like Dune, I would say Dune and Power of the Dog are like the two biggest dominating films. Yep, crazy. Uh. Next up, best sound. Uh, my least favorite category because I don't like the way they name it. Best sound is so fucking vague. Is it just best sound now? It wasn't like two and then they just combined it to best sound. Yep. It was sound editing and sound mixing for the longest time. And then they just combined uh-huh. it into best sound instead of just calling it like best sound design or something. I, best sound. That could be fucking anything. Uh, our nominees are Belfast, Dune. No Time to Die, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. I think for me, when in doubt, go with the musical. I was about to say, what will probably win is West Side Story because it's a musical. I'll give James Bond some love and say it should win. I'll, I'll throw some love for James Bond for only because it's No Time to Die. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, I didn't really like the song they picked. It was for the, the, main, the main score. The main uh, Bond theme in that one was really good. Well, that's well. It's the song is up for best song. We're we're gonna get to that. Oh, okay, sweet. 
Yeah. I think this is more like, you know, ambient uh, noise and yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, then I'll stick to no time to die. Okay. It had good ambient noise sounds. I think Dune could take this because of the weird sci-fi noises they've got going around. Yeah, when the things are flying and like the sand are coming down and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, West Side Story musicals always tend to take this one. So I'm 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 gonna bet on West Side Story. Not nah, same. I think this could be like the one oh to the one chance that it has, I feel like. Yeah. When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. <laughs> I've seen West Side Story a lot this past year. So I'm it's just it's it's staying in here. I can't get it out. <laughs> All right, next up, best original song. Be Alive from King Richard, Dos Orogritas from Encanto, Down to Joy from Belfast, No Time to Die from No Time to Die, and Somehow You Do from Four Good Days. Uh, this is for me the most interesting category here because I really, really want No Time to Die to take this so we can get a Bond film hat trick. Skyfall one, Spectre one, No Time to Die wins. We got three in a row, and that would be just awesome. Oh yeah, and, it, and like I said, I really like this theme song that they that uh, Billy Eilish, I believe. Uh, oh, we got to listen to it for three years until we got to see the movie. Well, you did. Me, that's like the one thing I don't do is I don't listen to the song until the movie comes out. You didn't listen to that till the movie came out. Wow, that's dedication. I, 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 yeah, I listened to it the day it came out. Anytime they do that, or like when they dropped like the score for Halloween kills. I didn't listen to it. Till, I, I will not listen to the song, music until the until I watched the film. That's I'm, I'm I admire your tenacity. Yeah, it's um, like the one thing about me. It's like Josh won't, won't uh, read reviews or anything. I won't, I will not do the music till I go see the film. Beautiful. Well, no time to die is an epic song. It's a great bond theme really highlights this kind of despair that is just peppered throughout no time to die. Uh, and if you ever thought James Bond was isolated before, holy shit, does he fall down hard in this one? But also, if Dos Orguitas gets it from Encanto, Lin Manuel Miranda walks away with an EGOT. So, and I was going to say, I think he is. That's what I'm saying for what will win, because yeah, James Bond usually doesn't get love, but usually the songs tend to fare better at the Oscars, um, especially the Stainer Craig era of. Uh, James Bond films. Um, but Disney, I mean, they just have a track record to show you when it comes to animated film and best fucking song. Like they, yeah. they nine times out of 10, if they're in that category, they're getting it. You have your exceptions, you have, you know, the occasional loss, but their track records like already, like it's there. You're right. I think it is also weird that they didn't nominate the Bruno song, but they are playing it at the Oscars instead of this one. <laughs> Yeah, it's weird. Like the Bruno song, you could argue is like the more recognizable song because I, I haven't seen it. Can't it. I've heard it's wonderful. I need to watch it. Um, it's cute. The, the Bruno song, I don't know if you know this, is the most downloaded song Disney has ever produced. It blew yeah. Let It Go out of the fucking water. You know what? I'm happy because what I've heard of the Bruno song, it's so much better than Let It Go. I thought <laughs> Let It Go was like one of the most overrated Disney songs. I think Frozen, good film. I don't think it's a shit film. I don't, I, but, but I think it's incredibly overrated. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you, man. I never really got it with Frozen. Yeah. It's, it's not bad. I do, I did enjoy it when I watched it, but I don't understand like the insane amount of loves it got. Yeah. So well, hopefully, if Encanto, you know, kind of takes the crown away, maybe all these Frozen fans can 
let it go. Maybe. Then we can just sing about Bruno, even though it didn't win, but you know that's what people are going to do. It, yeah. Um, then, also, I just want to throw some love to Belfast. Down to Joy is such an, a delightful track. Uh, I read that Van Morrison, I guess, started writing that in the 70s and mm-hmm. shelved it and then pulled it back out for Belfast, finished it, and now he's up for an Oscar. Which is pretty right. cool. Yeah, good for him. Yeah. Uh, you know what I will say? I, I enjoyed one year. I watched the YouTube clip. I forget which Oscars it was, but when like they didn't tell anyone in the audience that they had gotten Eminem to perform Lose Yourself live at the Oscars. Yeah. And like you see even like some of the celebrities kind of getting down with it, like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the older ones, like Tom, like, no, Tom Hanks got into it. I remember seeing him, he was like, okay, yeah. Did you saw other celebrities being like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> That was cool because when he won for um, Lose Yourself back in 2002, he didn't go. He didn't think he was going to win. So he never got to perform it or, you know, give an acceptance speech. So he got to got to perform at the Oscars finally. Good for him. Nice. Yeah, especially because he seems to be in a better place. Yeah. Personally, musically, I've, I've really liked his last two albums. Now that he's adopted the Slim Shady persona again. Dear God, is he, is he cutthroat again? I love that he doesn't give a flying fuck and is like one of the few people on earth who's uncancelable i i admire that i admire that he just you know you go after eminem you you know that old saying like if you're gonna hit the king you better kill the king (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's oh i just i love that like you know he had his his time when he was trying to be more mature i like a lot of his like when he wasn't really slim shady anymore stuff like uh the recovery album so i like a lot of that stuff he did but, you know, fans were bitching and complaining and bitching and complaining and, you know, so on and so forth. He said, you know what? Fine. Fuck you. And he came out with the, like, you know, Kamikaze when he adopted the persona again and he went after everyone. And then all the people that were bitching were like, come on, man, you're like in your late 40s. You can't be doing that. That's not cool anymore. And I'm like, are you fucking serious? And his reply, I was like, well, fuck you. You want it. It's not going away now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a killer album. Uh I want in his last one, music to be murdered by. Oh my god! Yeah, I was. My dad and I were talking about flow in uh, in rap, and I'm like, "You want to hear flow?" And I played him Godzilla, and he was blown away. <laughs> the flow in that, and do you know he beat his record, his own record? He he got with um rap god. That last thirty seconds, the song when he just yeah, he beat his own fucking record in like speed and how many words he delivered and like all this shit. Beautiful. Uh. But yeah, I'm I'm hoping No Time to Die takes it, but safe bet is is the Encanto song. Yes, it's, if Disney's ever nominated, just safe bet that one. And you're, if you're asking what about when Pixar, guess what? Disney Pixar, right? So you don't want to go up against Disney in the animated film category or the best song category. You're probably going to lose. That's it's been that way since the 30s. <laughs> it's that's just a fact of life now. Uh, is long gone and yet his influence has not left in those two <laughs> categories when it comes to disney next up best original score we've got don't look up by nicholas Bertel, dune by hans zimmer Encanto by jermaine franco parallel mothers by alberto iglesias and the power of the dog by johnny greenwood uh i am all but sold this is 100 going to dune uh, Hans Zimmer apparently invented a new fucking instrument for this. <laughs> so 
Oh, yeah, I remember reading about that. That alone tells me, yeah, Hans is going to take home only his second Oscar of his career, which is crazy to me. Really? Yep, he won for The Lion King in 94, and then nothing. That's so fucking weird to me, because it's Hans Zimmer. (laughs) He's been nominated like 20 times, but he's never won apart from The Lion King. So I think it'd be cool if Dune gets him another Oscar. Uh, I know he will not be there. He said he's on tour right now, so he won't be at the ceremony, but I hope he takes it. Um, my second place is uh, Johnny Greenwood for Power of the Dog. Okay. Uh, I'm going to make the safe bet of uh, Encanto again because it's Disney. Um, but yeah, I can see where uh, this has, Dune has a very good chance for once if they know that he invented a new instrument. Like that's just, that's just Oscar love right there you know well and it's just it's a bitchin score like the music is, is the best like, part of dune dune did have a really good score i will give them credit it was a really good score um i'm just i want to say the safe bet on disney as well because again it's disney fair <laughs> enough the the power of the dog score though is very unsettling it's a it's practically a horror score it's constantly putting you in this sense of unease that something's not right and you just kind of have to figure out like what is not right. It's yeah. a very interesting way to go, but uh, it is I, great. I am a sucker for those like subtle type of uh, scores right there, like uh, in the Dark Knight, which that was that was that wasn't Hans Zimmer, was it? Yep, was him it? and uh, James Newton Howard, they did it together. Okay, it was Hans Zimmer. I was like, I did not want to be, but the the Joker's uh, theme that they do that constantly times in the room and it's like this weird unsettling just pitch that doesn't stop oh god just one note just constantly you know building ever so slightly yeah and it's it's, brilliant my turn like when is it going to go bad like when is this going to turn south like it it really shows you like how like on the edge of insanity you're in in those stroker scenes like yeah, I am a sucker for that type of like just subtle fucking type of score. That score is called Aggressive Expansion, and it's awesome. And the entire Dark Knight trilogy was not nominated for score, which is some bullshit. Because those really, are some of the best music and superhero movies ever. I would argue that score would be another category that does really well for uh, superhero films and um, horror films. Yeah, I, I yeah for sure. Um, I'm hoping the Batman manages to get a nomination next year, but I'm worried it came out too early. Yeah, because that would be really good. Speaking of which, uh, quick side note, I finally watched the lead scene online. Freaky, right? Yeah, I got a nice clean photo of that Joker on my phone right now because someone put up a cleaner picture. Holy shit. Like, I I looked into it, so Matt Reeves said that that was a proto-Joker. He does have an idea of where he wants to go. Because I was like, Um, and he goes, that wasn't the final he goes that's like like riddler like proto like this was an early joker with an idea of to have him take more of his joker on down the road so we were just seeing like a one essentially in the making um but i mean like i said we got the show we have you know he wants to do a trilogy so who knows but what i saw i was i was into when he showed his fucking face and how fucked oh my god yeah ah, yeah um, I love I love the hint of green hair, like not just straight up green hair, but like almost like a disease going on up there. Yeah, it was. I mean, I know you're wrong. I love Heath Ledger's design, but holy fuck on this design. 
Holy shit. Um, yeah, sorry. Quick side note on that, because I finally watched that deleted scene online. Um, yeah, I would be down, because I really, the score, I mean, look, you know, I fucking loved this new Batman movie. Um, score was one of those things, that score, and not just in the really, like, the Nirvana song that I was playing, um, but the actual, like, score itself was fucking haunting. Yeah, I hope the Batman makes a splash next year, but I, again, I, the Oscar window is so weird sometimes. It so is, I don't know. and that's, that's something when we get into the second half, I, I will definitely like to talk about. Yes. Uh, next up, animated short film, live action short film. No offense to the creators of the short film. I don't really have much to say about these. I usually just it, shot in the dark, you know? It, it kind of bugs me with the short films because it's like, to me, the Oscars just saying like, look, yeah, we're supporting upcoming filmmakers. When they're really not, they're just doing this preliminary, like, here you go. Like most, if you're, if you're like trying to break yourself out into the business and you have a short film, your best chance is to go hit up the festival circuit. Um, Adam Green, Joe Lynch talk about all the time. Um, try to hit up the festival circuit and get, get it out there. Cause Oscars, like this is, this is kind of like the whole, like most popular film to me online. Like them just kind of being like, yeah, look, we're supporting new upcoming talent. Of course we are. Yeah. So I don't even know where to find these. Uh, I guess some theaters do like a animated or a, a short film festival thing before the Oscars. And I've seen that um, done a couple of times, but I've never gone to one. Yeah. Uh, film festivals like you actual, that um, they'll do like shorts before the main a, a film to get people to watch it. Although have like a, a, a short film where now we go and you watch a series of them in like a row. No. Um, obviously we know what Disney likes to do they'll show their short films right before the actual film so they do that a lot um, which is I think it's really neat for them and you know works out in the case of the one I think it was for Incredibles 2 they had that one short film and the director for that did uh, Turning Red very recently so it, it kind of works out for a lot of those guys they get work usually with them later but a lot of times yeah the ones that they nominate at the Oscars are like it's a bitch to fucking find them <laughs> true uh, so we're going to just go ahead and skip animated short, live action short and documentary short. Sorry. No offense. You know, I'm all about like new upcoming filmmakers getting out there and getting their voices into that and supporting them. But the Oscars pick ones that you can never fucking find. Yeah. Them's a breaks. Uh, best documentary. Also have not seen these five films. Uh, also kind of hard to find or have time for. But here's some, you know, brief information. Ascension, which covers uh, the pursuit of the Chinese dream through the social classes, prioritizing productivity and innovation. Interesting. That could, that could be interesting, actually. Attica. What's this one about? I have. I think I have a feeling. Um, Attica. Hmm? What if you're wrong about what it's about? Uh. Yeah, it's about the 1971 Attica uprising through interviews with inmates who were there. That would be, I'm actually kind of interested in that one. That sounds very intriguing. Yeah. Flea, which is a Danish animated documentary, uh, follows the story of a man under the alias Amin Nawabi who shares his hidden past of fleeing his country for the first time. Okay. okay. Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised. I remember seeing commercials for this one on Hulu. This is about uh, uh, about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. 
directed by Questlove. Okay. Yeah, that sounds intriguing. That'd probably be very entertaining. Right and, now, my, and, the one I want to check out is Attica, but go on. I'm with you too. Uh, and finally, Writing with Fire. Uh, it's about the journalist running the Dalit uh, women-led newspaper Kabar Lahiria, um, an Indian documentary film. Okay, all of those sound very intriguing. I am going to throw my support behind Attica because that does sound crazy. Yeah, especially because uh, I know you, I know you like him, and you got me in some of the time suck stuff. And he mentioned a lot on that last one. We talked about the uh, New Mexico one. Yeah, the the purge style prison riot. Yeah. Yeah, and you mentioned Attica got more attention. You know, this the New Mexico one was much more violent. Um, but yeah, that would be interesting. Um, because I have a lot. I have my own personal feelings on the prison system in America. And um, way the way it's handled, um, so I'd be I would be very interested in seeing that documentary. Sweet. Next up, international feature film. We have Drive My Car from Japan, Flee from Denmark, The Hand of God from Italy, Lunana, A Yak in the Classroom from Bhutan, and The Worst Person in the World from Norway. Uh, it is a complete guarantee that Drive My Car is taking us. Is that the one they love? Is that the one the Oscars are looking at? Yep. Good rule of thumb. If you have a foreign film that is also up for best picture, it is going to take best international film. Okay, makes sense. I, and it was great. Okay. I so okay. Um, yeah, I haven't I don't have a leg in this race. I do love foreign cinema, I really, really do. Um, but I mainly I will say when it comes to foreign cinema, that more than our American cinema, I do tend to stick to the horror stuff. Um, but with that said, you know, they do so much cool shit in different countries that um where it'd be due to like an oppressive regime or just much uh, much more freedoms than we have here, you get some wild stuff. Um one thing that's always bugged me, and obviously it's not an issue I worry about amongst us four here on Filmgasm, because we all watch foreign stuff. Um, but one thing I hate so much is when I hear people be like, I don't want to watch phone films because I don't want to read. Well, one, get over it. Um, what's, what's so bad about reading? Two, if it's that worrisome to you, a lot of times they have a dub version. I don't want to watch the dub version, but if you don't want to read, then put on the fucking dub version. Dub versions just make me laugh because it's completely uncommitted actors fucking up the performance of a committed actor. Oh, it's really funny. <laughs> ridiculous um yeah i i enjoy foreign cinema i like getting to see you know this is a great way to experience other cultures and you know filmmaking in other countries and like parasite for example highlighted the you know the korean uh class hierarchy which i didn't know anything about and i thought that was fascinating drive my car is about the nature of grief and a guy kind of struggling to move past his wife's infidelity after he finds her dead and can't confront her about it and it highlights the Japanese countryside, and um, it's, it's a very poignant, moving film. It's also three hours long, so I get why people didn't watch it. Yeah, um, yeah, and like, like for me, like one of my favorite. Um, I've talked about forty. You know how much I love it. But one of my favorite action films of all time isn't an American film. I mean, one of them is is John Wick, but the other one is the Indonesian flick, uh, The Raid. It's a badass flick. I'll put it on anytime. I will fucking force people to sit down, read those subtitles to watch that movie. 
So it's like, I have plenty of films I love that are not um, American at all. I think one of the best things that have come out of the zombie subgenre of horror recently, okay, two best things, One Cut of the Dead and Train to Busan, both found ways to tell incredibly gripping and riveting stories in one of the most tired fucking subgenres in horror right now. Like, so yeah, I will, I'm a big champion of foreign cinema. Um, I know you, you recently watched Autopsy of Jane Doe. You've seen Scary Stories, Scary Stories Still in Dark. Check out Troll Hunter from that director. It was his feature debut. Wonderful fucking movie. What he pulled off with such a low budget in that movie. Oh my God. I, yeah, I fucking love Troll, Troll Hunter. Great film. Sweet. Yeah, I've got, I, I love exploring film of all kinds. I don't cut myself off from any culture, you know, I'm, and not wanting to read, like, grow the fuck up. You're an adult. Uh, I hate those people. But it's yeah. usually the same people that probably don't like to ask for directions and don't like to read the instructions when they're assembling something. It's like, get over yourself there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it's all, all those ter- things are pretty much the same guy. And I don't like them, so... International film, probably going to be Drive My Car, which it, it deserves. Uh, animated film. This is interesting. Encanto, Flea, Luca, The Mitchells versus the Machines, and Raya and the Last Dragon. Ooh, ooh. We got two Disneys, one Pixar, a Netflix, and a Danish documentary. That's actually the most exciting thing I think I've, I've heard so far. Oh, boy. Because it would break the mold from Disney, what should win is Mitchell's in the machine. Mitchell's versus machines. Wildly inventive. I actually need to finish uh, rewatch it because I was like in and out of it when I was watching it. But what I saw, inventive, hilarious, that uh, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, like ADHD fucking style of humor, worked, works, still works great. Um, wonderful fucking film. Absolutely think it should win. What will probably win. It's, it's, I think it's going to end up becoming just a fucking showdown between Raya and Encanto. Yeah, this is one of the few years where Pixar does not appear to have a lock. Uh, Luca just didn't really resonate with people like Encanto did. Uh, I think Encanto's got this in the bag, but I would love to see the Mitchells versus the Machines take this. That movie was funny as hell, made my top 10. Uh, I, I want that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and Ryan was really good too. Um, when uh, Josh had his kids over one day, they he had told them, "Oh yeah, you know, they call me Leggy. That's like their nickname for me." Um, that I hadn't seen in his daughter was like, oh, "You need to watch Ryan Last Dragon, Leggy." She's like, "When we go home, you're watching it." And I was like, "Okay," and she we put it on. Um, and I was like, "Oh, this is really good." But then I I was tired, you know, I was helping out with them, and I was very comfortable on the couch, and I fell asleep. Just to wake up to a very disappointing little girl going, you fell asleep. <laughs> That's yeah, you shouldn't have fallen asleep. I'm I'm with her on that. She was she was very mad at me. <laughs> Raya is really, really good too. It's what I saw was wonderful. I'm not nothing is wrong. I was just I was more tired than I thought. Yeah. I but I, you know, I understand why Encanto is gonna take this. It's a musical about, you know, a Colombian family. It's representative of that culture. It's it's a beautifully animated film. The songs are great. It's it's a lock. Yeah. Uh, next up, adapted screenplay. Now we're getting into the big stuff. Heavyweights, the big boys. Oh yeah, the heavy- we've got 
heavyweights that you know one person was told was a lightweight before we got hit in the nuts, but it's really a heavyweight. Jackass reference again. Yes. That's not a that's not a lightweight. That's not no. a lightweight. For those who want to finally get the chokes I'm saying about Jackass, if you have Paramount Plus, is currently streaming on Paramount Plus along with the new screen. Um, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. Oh yeah, that was great. That's not a that's not a fucking lightweight. I've got two words for you: ruptured testicle. Moving on. Oh, that hockey player. I'm coming for you next, Aaron. I was like, oh my god. For me, it was the pogo stick where the cup fucking slipped. Oh, like, I I did laugh when he was adjusting on the on the the baseball one, a softball one. Sorry, and they're like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I don't know balls physics, guys." God, God, I hope they got paid a lot. I, they probably didn't though. <laughs> Adapted screenplay or the Pete or Aaron, Aaron, like the guy who took the the pain oh. of the balls. I hope he got paid. Probably. <laughs> We've got Coda, uh, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Oh, boy. Uh, Power of the Dog is probably going to take this. Um, Personally, I think it should go to Drive My Car. Okay. I mean, of that, I've only seen Dune, and I've heard Dune is pretty fucking unfilmable, so... To you know, Villeneuve's credit, he pulled it off for a lot of people. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I think he has a good chance in this category. But again, with how much they seem to be loving Power of the Dog, unless you're Sam Elliott, it sounds like it's going to probably be Power of the Dog. I hope like if Power Dog wins all these awards, if they purposely find a way to get Sam Elliott at the Oscars, but put him like up front, so all the awards that it's getting, they can just stare at him. <laughs> I hope if it takes takes best picture, somebody puts a tiny little mustache on the Oscar statue and a cowboy hat on it and like some assless chaps or something. <laughs> uh, fuck you, Sam Elliott. Um, I don't I did not care for the lost daughter. I thought that was weird and off putting and hard to follow. So I don't I don't really get that. It's why it's here. Um, and Coda was great. So I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that taking it too. Uh, yeah. I've heard, I've heard a lot of good things about Coda. It's a very delightful film. I don't have Apple TV Plus, so. I got it specifically for the podcast. I've used it maybe three times. They do not have a, a, a lot of output. So I've heard. Uh, best original screenplay. Belfast, Don't Look Up, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, and The Worst Person in the World. I, I, for me, this is a battle between Kenneth Branagh and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah, and I, uh, that's a that's a coin toss for me because I think I both think those what, songs are great. I think what should win Belfast. From what I under, from what I understand about that film, I think what's going to win because apparently Hollywood's super okay with the weird like age gap relationships. Is. And look, I haven't seen Ligurus Pizza yet. I do want to watch it because I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan. I really like what that guy does. Um, so I do, I actually do really want to see Ligurus Pizza. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he wins because it's PTA. I got to see Licorice Pizza 
a, the week of its premiere in Los Angeles at the Fox Theater. And real quick for you on, it's also, from what I understand, big into Hollywood stuff. So it's probably, it's probably only Billy Chris Pizza, but go on. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying, like, that was an incredible experience. So mm-hmm. my heart says, well, my, all right, my brain says Belfast. My heart says Licorice Pizza. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of torn here, but yeah, it is a film about, you know, Cooper Hoffman is an aspiring, like he's a young actor who's trying to, you know, make it big, but then he starts selling waterbeds and lusting after a, like a 25 year old woman. And he's supposed to be 15 in the movie. Uh, it's weird. And it's not exactly the best screenplay he's ever done, but it's an entertaining film. And I think it'd be cool to see Paul Thomas Anderson finally get a win. But also, I would really like to see Kenneth Branagh get a win. And Belfast was a very personal story for him. It's basically a retelling of his childhood growing up in Belfast during the Troubles. It's, you know, that strife through the eyes of a child. And, Which is why I think it should win. Yeah. But I uh, think PTA has the edge is that whole Hollywood story that they fucking die over. And again, Hollywood has kind of shown that their age age gap relationship thing isn't as much of an issue as some people had with the film. Um, again, I'm not going to trust because I haven't seen it. I like some wine actually see if I can stream it or rent it somewhere. Here's I have some- seen it. And there is nothing in that film to justify that weird ass relationship. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> yeah. Again, I wouldn't be surprised if that is the one that wins because of that Hollywood story edge it has over it. Fair enough. Um, don't look up is I think too political to score any wins here. I, uh, I, I think in 2022, kind of like yeah, how I kind of yeah. said with that film and like my personal reason, like why I've been hesitant to watch. I think there's a lot of people with political minded films. I think it's cool what Adam, Adam McKay's doing now with his career. I really do since he's done like a, like a vice and the big short and stuff like that. Um, I think it's really cool. He's going there and trying to say, put his own personal, like say, I just don't think it's what people want, including people in the industry. It was a good movie too, but it is just like hitting the nail on the fucking head. Like it is not subtle. Um, King Richard, probably not. And I have not seen the worst person in the world, but I do think this is Bronick versus Anderson for the title belt here. Yeah. And King Richard is a weird one to me because I even thought about it when I was watching a lot of And I remember thinking when it got advertised, which is, I don't need a film about these two stad. I need it about these two alone. I don't want the greatest tennis players to grace the sports biography on their dad. I want it on them. I do think it's hilarious that he pretty much, you know, made their careers about himself and did just, you know, hog the spotlight. And then they tell, they make a movie about Venus and Serena and they make it about their dad. Like, yeah. The irony is palpable. Oh, yeah. And I'm not going to say, like, I've, I've heard Will Smith's fantastic in the movie. And I'm, I'm sure he's great. It's just, like, it was so weird to me. And they call it King Richard. I'm like, just call it Richard. Like, don't put the king in there. Like, because then I kept I kept thinking before it got released, I was like, oh, we're getting a movie about the King Richard? Okay, cool. Like, no, it's about the, the tennis star's dad that I didn't know shit about until this fucking movie because I don't care about their dad. I just care about venus and serena uh, that's it i remember when that was announced i saw will smith to star in king richard and i'm like really <laughs> richard the lionheart 
played by Will Smith. Okay, this is weird. And I looked into it. I'm like, oh, okay, Ten is dead. <laughs> and here we are. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I, I I think this is going to be the. I think this will be the Oscar film because they do it every year, right? That it has its nominations. It's not going to win a fucking thing. Well, I mean, that remains to be seen. Uh, when we get to best actor, I've got some information for you. Oh boy. Okay. Next up, best supporting actors: Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, and Ingenue Ellis in King Richard. I have no fucking clue. This is such a toss-up for me. Uh, I've, I've seen all five of these films, but I, I don't have a I don't have a favorite. You know, you know who will win because there's the whole fucking trauma for I think last week. Um, West Side Story Lady or Ariana DeBose, I believe is how you say it. Yeah. Um, I don't think she'll get because that whole controversy about the Oscars not even inviting her. Wait, no, was that her? Or was that someone else? That was the no. She she's it was the uh, the star Rachel Ra- Ziegler who played Maria. Ra- okay. She wasn't invited. Sorry, I I flipped it. My bad. But okay, never mind. Yeah, I don't know. Um. All right. I'm just saying. All right. These are these are my thoughts. I didn't think Kirsten Dunst's performance in The Power of the Dog was particularly Oscar worthy. I don't. I haven't seen. Uh, Grant, I haven't seen Melancholia. Kalia, her that's where she's really good. Um, and I'm saying this as someone that, like you, has a very special place in my heart for that Spider-Man trilogy. She's not the greatest actor to me. Well, her I'll and Jesse Plemons, I thought, weren't great in The Power of the Dog. Cumberbatch really? and Cody Smith McPhee, I get. They were great. Really? Jesse Plemons. Uh, hmm? I mean, Jesse Plemons. I usually like him. I like Jesse Plemons too. I just didn't think, I mean, he was kind of one note in Power of the Dog. He just didn't, he was good, but he wasn't best supporting actor good. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Cody Smith McPhee though, probably going to win that, but we'll, we'll get to him. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and throw my support behind. <sighs> Shit. I don't know. I don't. I need you to pick something because I'm just going to second whatever you pick. <laughs> <laughs> um i guess i have absolutely zero likes in this race i've seen all five of these films and i don't i don't have a I, I, uh, all right okay give me a second <laughs> i'm trying to remember moments of these movies where i'm like ah oh, that was good and i don't have any um wow i'm sorry but it's just i yeah um all right fuck it ingenue ellis king richard who, who did uh, who did she play? Please she was, uh, huh? Please tell me it wasn't one of the, the tennis stars. No, she played their mom. Oh, okay, I was about to be like, if if they seriously went that far and saying, yeah, best supporting actress, one of the chicks that played, you know, tennis sensation. No, and like in probably, which I think is even more like weird, they didn't even nominate them. Jesus <laughs> They're Christ. not even, no one's even talking about them. <laughs> Uh, the real yeah. life ladies have a career that speaks for themselves. So, yeah, I'm a, all right. I'm gonna take Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter plays a young Olivia Coleman. She's good, not great. Ariana DeBose plays Anita in West Side Story. She can sing, great. Uh, Judy Dench is grandma in Belfast. She's not in it that much. And Kirsten Dunst is really just kind of drinking and glaring the whole movie. You know so, I, yeah. I'm going my hand in for Trudy Dench because I like Trudy Dench. Fair enough. 
she probably isn't going to be there. I, <laughs> I, I doubt if she shows up at all. I, I like Jaden. She's the best M I think we've ever had in the James Bond series. She's, she's just an awesome lady. So fair enough. Throw my hat in on her. <laughs> best supporting actor. Kieran Hines for Belfast. Troy Kotzer for Coda. Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons for being the Ricardos. And Cody Smith-McPhee for The Power of the Dog. Uh, Cody Smith-McPhee is the favorite here. He's probably going to take this, which would be cool. Uh, he's young. You know, this would be a big boost for him. He's a talented... Uh, I've seen a lot of stuff. He's a very talented young actor. He is one of those... I think he will be someone you need to look out for as he gets older, as his career, you know matures and continues he's really good good young actor i want to say he was in the let me in remake and he was the let the right one in remake called let me in um i'll double track that here but i want to say he was in it and he was fucking wonderful i think that was asa butterfield but i might be wrong i don't think that was asa butterfield there's a lot of white weird eyes cody smith cody smith mcbee i was right all right my bad he was he was lights out on that. That was my introduction to him. Um, I remember thinking, like, wow, this kid is good. This is a good fucking actor. So my intro I, to him was X-Men Apocalypse, where he played Nightcrawler. Oh, yeah, that's right. He played Nightcrawler. Yeah. I, actually pulled up his, I pulled up his stuff right now. Um, oh, my God, he was in The Road. Oh, that's a good movie. I have not seen that, but I've heard that's crazy. Oh, it's, it's, it's depressing as fuck, but it's a good movie. He was really good. For Vigo Morrison in that movie. Like cool. he was holding his own. I was impressed. Um, nice. Um, yeah, he's really good in the power of the dog. He plays a possibly re- uh, repressed young gay kid who Cumberbatch notices has some gay tendencies, but also he's, you know, verbally and mentally abusing this kid's mom. So the relationship is tense. Uh I would uh, Cody Smith McPhee would be you know he'll he'll be fine but I really want this to go to Troy Co- Troy Kotzer for Coda. Okay. Yeah, he plays uh, the main girl's father, who is a he's deaf. The actor's deaf. The character's deaf, and uh, he's a fisherman who just wants to see his daughter succeed, but doesn't quite understand why she wants to go to music school because he's been, he was born deaf. He doesn't understand the concept of music, uh, and the whole family doesn't except her. It's a very touching story. And he was, he was fantastic. Uh, yeah, this is a good group for the most part. Um, Kieran Hines was really good in Belfast. Uh, I was reading an article about, apparently he says yes to literally everything. I'll say I've seen that name pop up and stuff. I want to say I've seen him in a ton of stuff. He's usually really good. Yep. He's Steppenwolf. Oh my God. Yeah. He's one of the better parts. Uh, at least one of the parts that got really improved in the, uh, the Snyder cut. Yep. He's also um, Aberforth Dumbledore in the last Harry Potter movie. Oh, okay. Okay. That's okay. I thought that name was familiar. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's one of those guys. You just, you see his name all over the map because he says yes to literally everything. He said that like in his, in his interview, he's like, yeah, I love, I'll do anything. <laughs> like, Hey, good for okay. him. Yeah. Good for him. He got an what Oscar other... nomination out of it. Kieran, good job. Yeah. What were the other, other names? Uh, Jesse Plemons and JK Simmons. Oh, okay. So you got two, especially, I mean, obviously we know how great J.K. Simmons can be. I mean, we've seen Whiplash. It's fucking a beast in that movie. In uh, uh, Being the Ricardos, he plays William Frawley, or Bill Frawley, the, uh, one of the actors in the 
Lucy show. And he is very anti-communist to keep saying goofy shit about like, if that kid's a communist, I'll stamp him to death. And like just crazy shit. <laughs> it's, he's hilarious. In Ricardo's. Okay. That's, yeah. That sounds like, um, I, I mean, I fucking, I'm sure you're, I know you feel the same. I fucking love JK Simmons. So, um, and Plemons, I know he had a career before I saw this movie. I know. I'm aware. But he became came to my attention big time when I went to go see Game Night. And he was so fucking funny in, in his awkward ass role. Oh my God. He had me dying in that movie. Yep. Uh, to me, Jesse Plemons will always be Todd, the psycho neo Nazi nephew bad guy in the last couple seasons of Breaking Bad. He was just this un, it's this unassuming dude. He's like, yeah, I'll help you cook, you know, if you need help. And he became like Walt's new assistant. And then halfway through the five, through the fifth season, his true colors are revealed when he murders a child. And it's like, what the fuck? You're like, you didn't know who this guy was. And now you're like, oh, he's dangerous. And it just gets worse from there. He he was fantastic <laughs> in Breaking Bad. Uh, he's, he's, uh, that's, and I know a lot of people when I told them, I have, you know, for those who don't know, I haven't seen Breaking Bad. Yeah, it's one that's been on my radar to watch for a while. I just got, really got to fucking carve out the time. Um, but that's when every time I mentioned him, they're like, "Oh, if you liked him in Game Nine or you know in Antlers, I thought he was pretty good in Antlers." Also, um, they're like, "You yeah, so you check uh, Breaking Bad. He's so fucking good in that." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, so yeah, it's a real good uh, everyone in that category. I I like pretty much. Um, I think this." I think the the true, in my opinion, like who I would give this to is Willem Dafoe for Spider Man No Way Home. But I mean, yeah, not here. <laughs> yeah, because you could argue he fucking gave it his all. We didn't ask him to. He said he wanted to, including doing his own stunts. Yeah, he he did not have to go as hard as he did. He could have just taken the money and run, but no, he was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this right. I'm gonna be yeah. the MCU's greatest villain yet. And remind people, you know, why Spider-Man was such a hit in 2002. <laughs> like, let's be honest here. He's it's like, a, it's like that meme you see when they're like, Phil Collins didn't have to go hard for us, but he did in the piano, yeah. whatever was on fire for Tarzan. That's yeah. me on the phone. He didn't have to go hard for us at all. He literally could have, you know, just said like, yeah, you can CGI me into the background for one scene and give me, you know, $5 million. But no, he said, you want me to be a, you want me to be the Green Goblin again? All right, let's do this. Like, He's like, I'm not gonna be a cameo. I'm doing my own stunts. Let's do this. And Marvel just went, no, we already that was our plan. So sweet, come on, please. I was reading into like their plan B if they couldn't get everybody to come back, and it was gonna be Craven's like Craven's last hunt, like they were gonna do a Craven movie. So we had two potentially awesome movies either way. Yeah, their plan was gonna be Craven shows up hunting for Spider Man. Holy and uh, yeah, but that was if they couldn't get Toby and Andrew and Defoe and Alfred Molina, and Jamie Foxx and Reese Evans and Thomas Hayden Church. So much had to go right. <laughs> oh my God. It's crazy. Ah, it's so great. I'm so pissed it's not here. Uh, Most popular vote, though, dude. Most what? popular vote, though. Are they, the problem, oh, by the way, they're not televised. Like they're not televising live most of the small awards. Don't even get me started on that right now. Yeah, just a little bit more. God. Again, I thought New is, Blood meant good things were coming. 
yeah, again, something I will definitely go into on the second half when I can rage a little bit more. Um, I don't want to do it here, but yeah, don't even get me started on how mm, that pissed me off when I read that. It reminds me of Spider-Man 3 when Hoffman is giving his like presentation to Jonah about like rebranding and he's got the like it's hip, it's now, it's wow stickers. Like <laughs> that's what comes to mind. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Final four, the big ones, the head honchos. Uh, best actress, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman for Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Academy Award nominee, Kristen Stewart. That's a thing now. Uh, yeah. I have not seen Parallel Mothers because, like I said, it's I don't think it's been released in the United States yet, so can't do anything about that. Um, these other four, um, honestly, I think Kristen Stewart is the front runner. She might actually win for, for Spencer. All right. From what I've heard, they are loving her and Spencer, so I would not be surprised if it's Kristen Stewart. Uh, it's a good a- performance. It wasn't amazing. I don't – I mean, maybe an English – lady should have played princess diana that's just my two cents oh dude oh interesting let me just talk about that whole fucking thing when it came to laura croft tomb raider yeah that's a hot button issue i don't like americans doing british accents because they can't fucking do it i'm not saying like you're wrong i'm saying it's interesting how we talked about that for film in 2001 and here in 2022 still having the same fucking problem i know in a perfect world jessica chastain takes this she was fantastic in tammy faye i like jessica chastain a lot so i'd do it i'd I'd give it to, uh, no matter what, this sounds wrong. I would give her the award. I mean, she's hot too. So my other statement stands as well, but. You're telling me you'd give it to Jessica Chastain. Oh yeah, absolutely. And then then you would give her an Oscar. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I get it. Have you seen Lawless? I'm in the same boat, my friend. Um, I get it. No, as an actor, I really, I I always really, I think she's a really good actress. Um, The only time I don't think I liked her or something was fucking Dark Phoenix. Um, I didn't like anything in Dark Phoenix. That's loaded with actors I like, and I thought they all got fucked from that movie. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, I I would be down for her, but I yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Kristen Stewart. From what I have heard, I would not be surprised if it's Kristen Stewart. That's gonna blow my mind if she wins a fucking oscar i've i've never thought she was a good actress you know what that means we're we're not going to see her in um a charlie's angels sequel oh no <laughs> anytime soon oh well there goes my summer plans <laughs> yet um yeah i guess we'll see uh nicole kidman and being the ricardos uh she's good i think the makeup is more uh lucy than she is uh, it was supposed to be Kate Blanchett, but she she dropped out. And apparently the fans wanted Deborah Messing. I'm not as familiar with Deborah Messing. Will and Grace. Oh, oh, oh. yeah. Because yeah. she, she kind of looks like Lucille Ball, I guess. Yeah, both those choices would have been good. I'm not saying Nicole Kidman wasn't good. She just didn't really look like Lucy. She looked like somebody wearing a plastic Lucy mask. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, my vote goes to Jessica Chastain, but Kristen Stewart might actually pull this off. 
I, I, yeah, I second that. I would, I would go Jessica Chastain. So, like, I like her a lot, but I, it's probably going to be Stewart. Best actor: Javier Bardem, being the Ricardos; Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog; Andrew Garfield, Tick Tick Boom; Will Smith, King Richard; and Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Now, from what I hear, Will Smith is the front runner. Out of all of those names, Will Smith. Apparently, there it's like a uh, it's his turn kind of thing. Oh, they're pulling that. Yeah, career Oscar. Oh, god damn it. Uh I I am firmly behind Andrew Garfield for this. I was about to say taking away that shit then the whole career Oscar, which again we'll talk about in the second half. Um of that list, you're going with Andrew Garfield. I am. He was amazing in Tick Tick Boom. And I, I really respect him as a performer. I'm glad he came back as Spider-Man for, for us fans. And I want him to get a little something for it. So yeah, give him an Oscar. But if you get the Oscar, he just swings on the stage. He's just in the Spider-Man costume. He doesn't leave it anymore. Better yet, he he wins. And uh, like as he's walking up there, so does like Tobey Maguire and Tom Holland from separate <laughs> parts of the stage. They're like, <laughs> they called they called Peter Parker, right? Like that's me. No, that's me. No, that's me. They do that. Yeah. <laughs> they do the fucking pose that they did. I wouldn't be surprised if they all present something. Oh yeah, that'll probably happen. That would be kind of cool. Um, yeah. God, that one is hard. That it is uh, hard because all the actors are really, really good in that category. Um, Andrew Garfield's a wonderful performer that I don't think really gets the due that he deserves. Um, Javier Bardem's always reliable. Like, oh god, yeah, that's tough. That is a fucking tough category. I'll, I'll, I'll second your Andrew Garfield because I don't think he's gotten his due that he should have gotten by yeah, now. I agree. And Denzel was phenomenal in Macbeth, but you know, he's won two. I'd, I'd like to see somebody new get, get one. Yeah. And he's been kind of on like an Oscar bait uh, career as of late with like this and fences. So it's like, okay, you're clearly trying, you have your two, you're good. Like let someone else get it, man. There was flight. There was Roman J. Israel Esquire. So yeah, he's he's been on, on quite a kick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, Will Smith is apparently poised to take this, but I would love if, if Andrew Garfield got his due. You know what they could do? They could just give Will Smith a light. Call me crazy, some kind of lifetime achievement type thing, right? That other awards show do for these people. Oh yeah, let's see Where, who, who's getting those. Who's getting the lifetime achievement award this time? And then yeah. you know. Uh, the Honorary Academy Awards this year are going to Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Elaine May, and Liv Ullman, and the Gene Hersholt Humanitarian Award is going to Danny Glover. I can't, I can't argue those names. <laughs> nope, that's pretty cool. Yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, they should do that for Will Smith at some point. I, I've never, again, I'll get more into it when we do the things we could fix. I've never been to the whole, like, you know, it's their time career award for an actual award, like a category. I think it's like betrays all the other people that are nominated that with might actually, yeah, that have something that deserves it better. Yep. Um, and I'm not saying I do think Will Smith is a really good actor when he tries. Yes, he's made a career of having, of being like a very charismatic leading man. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, I have, he, I love a lot of his movies. I do think he's a very uh, incredibly charismatic person to watch on screen. 
but when he does step outside of his comfort zone, he has put in really good performances. I'm a big fan of Pursuit of Happiness. I think he's wonderful in that movie. Um, but if it's not, if they're not giving him this award because he is that good in King Richard, but because it's a career choice, a career award, then no, you need to look at the other four you nominated then. Yeah. And give it to one of them. I agree. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be talking more about career Oscars uh, in a bit here. Next up, best director, Kenneth Branagh for Belfast, Ryosuke Hamaguchi for Drive My Car, Paul Thomas Anderson for Licorice Pizza, Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog, and Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Uh, Jane Campion is all but guaranteed this one uh, for Power mm-hmm. of the Dog. She's apparently been the, the, the front runner of the entire award season. Who else was here? Yeah, uh, I don't probably win. Um, some good names in that one, though. Yeah, I can't believe Villeneuve got shafted for Dune. Yeah, yeah. You think it was just? You think somehow all these Marvel comments and all these these theater comments are coming back to bite these guys in the ass now? Yeah, like Nicolas Cage being like, "Let's just calm down. The Marvel films are okay, guys." <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I don't think Spielberg should be here for West Side Story. He's done vastly superior work. I, I stand by that. Like, look, if Spielberg wants to do West Side Story, fine. But I, I stand by what I've said before. I was with Spielberg when he did Ready Player One and looked like he wanted to have fun with his filmmaking again. But then he quickly went back to wanting to do Oscar bait and remake West Side Story. And it's like, okay, I'm not saying you don't have films of this type of Spielberg I don't like. I'm a big fan of Saving Part Ryan. I do really like Schindler's List. There are films he's made that are more traumatic, serious that I enjoy, but I my, my preferred Spielberg is fun Spielberg. I just don't I don't like how West Side Story is here again, doing, you know, getting 10 nominations again. I'm It just bothers me. Uh, but yeah, Campion's probably going to take it, and I'm okay with that. She did a very good job with Power of the Dog. Uh, I think, uh, I don't know, Kenneth Branagh or Paul Thomas Anderson might get this if they don't get the screenplay. I feel like whoever doesn't get screenplay might get director. I was to say, it could be in a battle between uh, Branagh and PTA. Um, no. So, because, I mean, they both got nominated for both categories. So, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're due for some of it, the Oscars, like actual wins. So just being nominated. True. With that... The oftentimes final big award of the night, except for last year when they did it in the middle of the show for some reason, best picture. That's weird. Yeah, I was very concerned. Austin was in the bathroom and I'm like, shit, best picture's happening. <laughs> like, it's not the end of the show and they're doing best picture. Kind of took the steam out of the, le- the rest of the show. <laughs> yeah, like, how do you follow that up? All right, now we're doing best picture. Let's go ahead and go to the best visual effects. Like, not putting that award down, but. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of giving yeah. end with picture. best picture. It's been tradition for almost a hundred years. Yeah. Uh, our nominees are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Because now it's a set ten nominate nominations for or nominees for best picture every time going forward. That's what they're doing, which I. Again, in the second half, I have a big problem with that. Um, best picture is 
probably going to go to the power of the dog. That's that's the big one everyone's been talking about for a year. Uh, I would be surprised if anything else takes it away. My personal film of choice for best picture is Belfast. I thought that film was very good. Exemplifies everything I think a best picture should have. Uh, second place is Coda. Um, so, so we'll see. Yeah, well, based on what I've been hearing, it's probably going to dark. Just based on what I, the little I've seen in this category, I'm going to go Nightmare Alley. I've okay. seen that one. Um, and again, I did like it quite a bit. I liked how the story kind of came around at the end. I still stand by like how that film ended is fucking awesome and dark as shit. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with Power Dog. I would not be surprised one bit. Like I said, I like you. You know, I you know it's fine because it's fine because I don't care about this much. But like because I keep up to date on movie news and I get on the sites, I hear about stuff all the time, and I have heard about Power Dog constantly. Like and how it's the front runner and it's going to get it. So it's like I would not be surprised if this wins. Yeah, fair enough. It's not really going to be a shock show this year. I don't think. I think it's going to be pretty by the numbers. The front runners are probably going to get it. There might be a couple surprises, but I don't expect this to be a, you know, stop the presses kind of event. Uh, but you know, I'll still watch it. Ninety fourth Academy Awards. Uh, that is all for our predictions. Uh, thank you for. Uh, putting in some effort. I appreciate that. <laughs> you're you're welcome. I thought I had quite a bit to this conversation. You did. You did. That that went that went well. <laughs> uh, with that, let's talk about what's wrong with the Oscars. Now, the Academy Awards are not infallible. They've changed the show countless times. I mean, as we've uh, as you guys have seen in past episodes, categories like best score, best, uh, mostly best score really have been like 10 to 15 films per category. In some cases, it's ridiculous. It's why we don't often do showdowns uh, in, in like for films that were like late thirties to early fifties. Cause it's like 15 films per best picture category. It's fucking crazy. We don't have that kind of time. That's why we haven't done Casablanca yet because it was up against a fuck ton of movies. <laughs> most of which don't even exist anymore. You can't find them. So, you know, what, what do we do with that? Anyway, we figured we could cap, cap off this episode by talking about some things that we think the current Oscars are doing uh, poorly and could improve upon uh, and just kind of riff for a while. We don't really have a planned list, just kind of riffing like, and another thing, you know, like that. So <laughs> why don't you uh, start us out? Plan list, so. huh? What? I definitely did not have a planned list. This oh, yeah. is... <laughs> I know you didn't, but I'm just, I don't have one either. <laughs> okay. Um, my first big thing, I'm, at, I'm actually going to not go straight for the genre thing first, but my first big thing would be making it films year round, all films year round, not just from like November. Uh, yeah. November ish to yeah. January timeframe. Um, um, I agree. That's always bugged me. The window makes no sense. It's like March is the official op- like window start, but very few films throughout the summer are ever up for anything substantial beyond like production mm-hmm. stuff. The award season is like September to, to January. And that's just, that's dumb. It should be 2021, you know, January to December is the window. That's what it should be. 
yeah, because all it's to me doing, and I see it all the time, and it, it, being a horror fan, and this is where it kind of gets annoying, is that you're placing a certain amount of prestige on a certain kind of film, but then, and just because people are stupid, it makes everything else to people seem like it's not of their time, not, it's, you know, it's shit, it shouldn't be as valued as what the Oscars are saying are during this window or time that they're nominating films. Um, and that's why I say, like, I guess to an extent this covers time frame and genre, but it should be all of 2021, all of 2020. Like, it should be that year in film, everything. Yeah. I agree. I mean, like you said, you know, it's creating this mentality of, like, only films released in that window are, like, you know, you should care about. And that's certainly the approach Netflix has taken to their output. You know, every film that they think is worthy of attention gets thrown into that window, leaving everything else just kind of be, you know, spotlighted for three days and then dropped off the map, which is unfortunate. And it does put a damper on on uh, genre for sure. Uh, but I think if, you know, if Oscar season was the year, I think every every company would put the same amount of effort pushing, you know, Dune as they would like Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Just exactly. in case. Yeah, just in case, because um, there's been many a time, many years, like um, 2018, Hereditary, Tony Collette should have been nominated. I don't give a shit if she had won or not, but she should have been nominated. She should have won, straight up. That was the performance of that year. Like, we talked about yeah. that a lot. <laughs> she was stellar, in, 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 both in the horror scenes and to the stage, like the one scene that always springs to mind, it's not even a horror scene, it's the dinner scene when she explodes on her son. Yes. Wonderful fucking acting. And the fact that because for them it was released during the summer, I believe, actually, weirdly enough, um, and because it was a horror film, they were like, "No, we're not, we're not doing it." And it's like, "Well, but why? You're supposed to be the best of film that year, so why not?" Yeah, it's it's stupid. That's a good that's a good point. Yeah, award season should be the full year. I don't get why it's not. Um, my big beef. Well, my first beef, I don't like 10 nomination nominees for best picture. That is too much. It's a, it dilutes the importance of that category. Five is enough. Every other, every other category is five. I was, was going to say it should just be five for Christ's yeah. sakes. It's, it was five for decades. And then around 2009, they decided to go back to like eight to 10. And then this year they capped it at a full 10 every time. And that is terrible. It's way too many films for us to watch, for people keeping up on this. And a lot of those films don't deserve to be there in the first place. They just had to fill spots. Yeah. 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 And, and especially if, like, look, if they're literally only having time to watch 15-minute clips, drop that shit back down to five. Watch the whole movie. Yeah. It literally, you know, for when we do a Best Picture Showdown, we have a four-week period to watch the films nominated for best picture. So we could do a showdown when we get to every fifth episode, we pull it off every time. It's, it's not hard and we have shit to do. You know, we have jobs and school and lives outside of this show. And we still find a way to watch those films in time for the show. So what's their fucking excuse? Yeah. When they're bored, that is their job. Like that is literally their job. They're sent this shit in advance before it's widely released. Yeah. Also, yeah, we're paying for the movies too. 
Jesus. Oh, just it, that irks me so much. Um, yeah. all right, your turn. I was like, you know, that's a great segue to the next thing. Board members, watch the whole fucking movie. Like, it's fucking insane to me that they are the ones awarding this and they don't watch the whole movie. Yeah. It is literally like if I was judging a, you know, like a cooking contest and I didn't fucking eat it. <laughs> like, what do I have to say about this? But nothing I say matters because I didn't try it. It is like the definition of like the online trolls that don't watch it. All the, the fanboys that see like a little bit here just that hey, Heath Ledger's playing the joke, and they're like, no, and they just rage immediately. And then they actually finally see the footage and they're like, oh, well, okay. It's like, well, yeah, shit, because you actually watched the footage. Same with the goddamn awards. Like, you can't say shit until you watch the entire movie. Because who knows? Like I said, like I said earlier, they might get the fucking scene where it's the fake ass baby and American sniper and go, all right. <laughs> and not the other two hours of the film. Yeah, it's that's a big one. If you're going to judge art, watch the art. That's I I feel like I shouldn't have to say this. This, this is this should be a guarantee. I mean, un, unbelievable. And you like you work and like your life revolves around cinema. Why wouldn't you want to watch the whole thing? Why are you just, you know, dipping your toes in a pond? And if it's a world that you are a part of. You sat there and made this like prestigious aura around these types of films. So the films you want to watch anyway. So why aren't you watching the whole fucking movie? Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. That's a, ugh, that's bugged me for years. Um, here's a minor one. Just as we're, while we're talking about the Oscars, you know, Best sound design. Best sound is too vague. It bothers me. I don't know what to think. Sound design makes way more sense. It's more palatable. Just, just, just do that. Just add design to the word sound. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, um, this is also a minor one. No, it's a major one. Well, all right. Oh, do you want to get into like categories they should have? Sure. I was going to quickly say before we do that, before we go yeah. down the more categories, um, it, 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 it kind of leads to it. Um, no, th- what we talked about earlier with Will Smith's award. Mm. No more fucking, it's their due time. We got to give it to them if they don't deserve for that film award. No more fucking career awards. <laughs> you have a lifetime achievement award for that shit. Do it for that. You judge these people in this category based off that movie, nothing else. I I second that 100%. That bugs me so much. You know, fucking Jack Palance and City Slickers, Al Pacino and Scent of a Woman. Like, you know, Jack Palance in City Slickers, he's, in, he's there for five minutes. It's not a great performance. Why did he get an Oscar? Pacino, you should have given it to him for The Godfather 2 or Serpico or one of those. And given that one to Malcolm, uh, Denzel Washington and Malcolm X. Just that's my thoughts. But yeah, the career Oscar is terrible. I mean, you know, Scorsese did great work with The Departed, but he earned that for Goodfellas. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, that's that's a good I one. I mean, I, yeah, because I stand by for me personally, like, uh, Leo, great work in The Revenant. I would have given it to him for something like Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, I would have given it to him for Django. Or yeah, Django. I'm, I'm not putting down his work in The Revenant. I really like The Revenant. Really good movie. 
not what I would have given him the award for, though. There's like five other films I would have given to him before that. Yep. Uh, yeah, good point. Good one. Uh, I think personally, there's a lot of categories missing from the Oscars. Uh, my first that I think they should have best vocal performance. Oh, for um, to go with the uh, songs. Yeah, for like or for animated films, like best voiceover performance, and like, yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to take time to to um, nominate animated films, yes, vocal performance. Um, but that kind of go to me kind of goes to the whole overarching issue that I briefly handed out with they should be a year-round actual look at is what the Oscars likes to do with saying this is an Oscar film, this is shit. Um, essentially, right? Like, and as we know, unless it's fucking Disney, their history with animated films, with horror, with comedy, with action, with anything that isn't like Oscar bait trauma isn't that great yeah you're right uh but it's it's not even just animated films like take um her for example scarlett johansson's performance as the ai in her yeah that got a lot of attention outside of the oscars and they didn't even consider her because it wasn't a physical performance so i think that's bullshit and as we kind of talked about and you kind of you've clicked you've finally kind of vibed with me more on it uh with things like uh, the Halloween, recent set of Halloween films I've kind of talked about with uh, Friday 13th, like sometimes like with actors that aren't saying anything, how good they can be by not saying a word, to me, you can you know, it, the same thing with a vocal performance, like how good an actor can be just using their voice. They don't need to use their body. Their voice is doing all the work and you believe it. Yep. That, yeah, I firmly believe that should be a category as well as best stunt. The fact that oh. that has not happened yet is criminal. The look, we've had some people die in the making of a film. Okay, like yes, some people deserve a fucking category. Because guess what? All those action movies, all those things that look so cool that the actor does, they don't fucking do because it's too. Unless it's the jackass films, unless you're fucking Tom Cruise. Um, the studio does not want to risk it, risk hurting their star. So they get a fucking stunt person in there to do it. That's willing to fucking risk life and limb for the movie. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Like I, I they deserve way more recognition, and the Oscars would be a great way for them to you know be recognized. It's just it's it's, it's common sense to me. Yeah, no, I'm 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 astounded we still don't have that. Unreal. Uh, as for the show itself, I think we are way past the idea of an Oscar host. We've proven in the past, I think two or three perform two or three shows. It's completely unnecessary. We don't need an MC cracking jokes, giving the audience pizza, doing like reveals of like, you know, here's a, here's some peons from outside. Look at all these celebrities. Isn't that great? We don't need that shit. It wastes time. It bloats the show up to over three hours. And it's a waste of time. Yeah, it, it's a waste of time. And if you if you've seen kind of like with, when the Golden Globes were being aired, um, when they get someone we like for a host like Ricky Gervais, he's too real with them and brutally honest. And they go, "Ooh, we don't want that. You're supposed to be sucking the dick of everyone. Don't. Nope. No. Get out of here." Well, I still love his speech. Sorry, oh. I still love his speech when he was like. 
This isn't about y'all. Or well, well, just shut the fuck up. Say thank you. Go. That was beautiful. <laughs> that was amazing. I just, yeah, he did not care. He didn't give a shit. And now the Globes are dead. So good work, Ricky. Yeah, because uh, we need him to say this. I feel like we need him to say the same thing. Because if I hear any celebrity try to fucking say shit about Ukraine and Russia tonight or tomorrow night, oh, 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 oh. I, I just, you know, we don't need it. Just start the show with, you know, presenters and just keep going. We don't need this every few minutes, uh, you know, a joke from Amy Schumer. We don't need it. And I, we don't want it either. Uh, so that's, yeah. Also, you could trim this shit down to two hours. Yeah, three three hours is great. I know they've been, they kind of like The Walking Dead. Oscars are having ratings issues and they don't want to admit it, which is weird. Um, I think, yes, one of the things you could do to fix that, hour and a half to two hours. Yeah, big time. If, you just give me all the categories. Don't do what you're fucking doing this year and cutting out air categories that need to be aired and give people that recognition. No, cut down on your fucking stupid ass post and show all the awards. Also, and I know this is tough because it's, it goes right along with time management, but I don't like when they start playing people off. I think that's rude. I think, you know, this is the moment of their life. I mean, you know, those actors will probably be back, but those short film guys, they're accepting an Oscar. This is the first and only time they will probably ever do this. It's a big moment. And yeah, they're going to get flustered. They're going to talk a little fast. They're going to start thanking people randomly. Let them have their moment. Just let them have their moment and, you know, carve it off the back end. Just don't, don't cut them off. They, they need this. Yeah. When they, yeah. When they played the music as they're still talking and then like the host comes out and awkwardly, is escorting them off and i'm like oh my god just let them talk yeah it's it's embarrassing it's sad so just just let them talk i noticed last year they didn't they weren't doing that that much they're starting to ease off on that i think yeah well again uh, if they if they got rid of the host they won't have to do it at all because then you could literally just have time for uh presenters awards speech next one yeah also don't shave the time out of the in memoriam because they did that last year and they had like, you know, names. And then about halfway through, it was names like super fast because they ran out of time. Oh, and that was look, some insensitive don't even, shit. Don't even get me started on the in memoriam right now. Like, not only did they do that, there's names they don't put up there if yeah. they're not Oscar worthy, in their opinion, performers. There are a lot of fucking people in, in the horror genre, my genre that I love so much, that passed away during the year. They get zero love when it comes to like Sid Haig when he passed away. Yeah, no love at the Oscars. But this is the guy that gave us so like so much later in his career with like things like Devil's Rejects and his work with Rob Zombie. But look at like I I implore anyone who only knows him from that. Look at what he did in his early career. He was in a lot of like big big stuff. Yeah, I I think that yeah, that that leads me right to my my biggest beef. Show some goddamn respect to the genre films. Uh, be inclusive. You know why people don't watch your show? Because you load it up with pretentious bullshit. And you don't, I mean, as we saw with their, you know, lack of uh, nominations for Spider-Man, they're just not in tune with the way the public watches films. They don't care about what we think, but they expect us to watch their show. Right. And you can't have that. 
if you're going to, you know, you got to bring something to the table for everybody. And I'm not saying have like a best horror film category. I'm saying no, mold no. that into the show. You know, the, the, the uh, makeup effects for horror films, give that some love. Production design, score, best picture if they're worthy. You know, horror, sci-fi, action. These films, these people making these films work sometimes twice, three times as hard as the people doing dramas. Show them some love. Show them you care. Show them you recognize their skills and their hard work. And people will flock to the show. I guarantee you. Yes. Um, and then don't do what you did in 2017 when you got when they nominated Get Out. But there was, if you ever read into like the behind the scenes on that, like the the young members they had brought onto the board finally were all down for Get Out, but the older board members were like against it and just were vehemently pissed off that Get Out was sitting there. And like did not want it, and it just became a case of like, yeah, it's nominated, but we're not giving it anything. I was pretty, but I think it got, it got, a, it got a screenplay, what I believe. It did win, yeah, Peel won for screenplay, which was awesome. Yeah, but, but like other than that, they were like, we'll give you this, but we're giving you nothing else. Like, it's like you could just tell the like the older board members, especially, were just pissed, yeah. and it's like I don't understand that. Like, so you you nominate it, but you're mad about it. And that's there's another one. I, I think there should be term limits. I think once you're 60, you're out. You, you, don't, you can't comprehend current cinema. You're, you're trapped in the fucking 70s. You, you're gone. You don't, we don't need you. New blood well, constantly. And this is the thing, right? This is what kills me. Those board members, like you said right there, they're trapped in the 70s. They forget like the crazy amount of authorship that was happening in that decade when you were getting stuff like Easy Rider, and um, Clockwork Orange and Jaws and like just a treasure trove of different shit. Yep. That all just was at the end of a good cinema, good films. The Academy used to reward creativity and experimentation. We've seen that throughout the 70s, especially. And somewhere along the line, it just became a conveyor belt of drama. And I don't like that. I mean, there's, there's moments like, you know, giving Parasite a win was was really cool. But, you know, one every two, three years ain't going to cut it. You, you know, that's not change. That's a mild swelling, as Max Shrex once said. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's them trying to show that, no, we do do it, but they don't mean it. It's an empty, it's an empty celebration, empty award to me of them saying, no, we do do it. Look, we see we did it. But they don't want to. They don't mean it. They don't, they're not happy. As we, like I said, we get out. They weren't happy about it. Well, so, they always expect us to be like, all right, now, like they go, you know, all right, now here, fine, now shut up. That's what it is. It's here's your movie. Now go away. But that's not what we want. We want permanent change, permanent address to all of this shit. Yes, like I don't want you to just do it one year and then. You know, it's fine because I know when they, they do it, you like to text me, like, hey, look, see, and I'm always like, I'll, I'll stand by when they mean it. Like, yeah, when they mean it, I'll be fucking, I'll be in. But I just get tired of them doing it to, like you said, okay, here, we gave it to you guys. I'm shut the fuck up. Watch our show. It's like, well, no, no, I won't. I love vanilla ice cream. Do I want to eat it all the time? No, I don't. Sometimes I want chocolate. Sometimes I want strawberry. Sometimes I want to go nuts and get some kind of mocha chino shit. I like variety in all aspects of my life, <laughs> film included. So 
Let's stop eating vanilla ice cream every fucking year and get a new flavor in there once in a while. <laughs> I think that's a pretty goddamn good metaphor myself. You used ice cream like that Dave Chappelle joke with Bill Cosby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For some reason I was thinking of the Batman scene when he's like, you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Like, I don't know why that popped in my head when we talked about ice cream, but it, it popped in my head. It's my, maybe my favorite moment in the entire Batman franchise is Michael Keaton losing his fucking mind on the Joker. Not even Batman, just Bruce Wayne being like channeling his inner Beetlejuice. You want to get nuts? It's beautiful. Anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, these are all valid reasons for not wanting to watch the Oscars. You know, it doesn't reflect the current state of the film industry. People, you know, fans or uh, people making these movies. It's, you know, yeah, Spielberg's here again. Yeah, for a film, I don't think he should really get it for if you ask me. It's these um, legacy names that are like guaranteed a spot just because of who they are. Yes. And that's why, like, I guess to kind of really define where I stand, because I know it's been like, oh, Caleb plays Oscars, and I do, but um, to see where like I stand, right? I have nothing against award shows or things like that. I think they can be a whole lot of fun. I really, I do. Um, you know, because I do, I do watch. You know, I, I'm big into like the Fangoria or, uh, Chainsaw Awards every year. You know, they do a big horror thing. Um, a podcast I listen to, Horror Careers, they do this thing called the Hereditary, it's their own awards thing. So I'm I'm into it, and I do partake partake in a lot of those. Um, but like I said, it needs to. I think for me to finally get on board with the Oscars, they need to make these changes, and they need to mean it. I these 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 empty uh, promises don't do it for me when I can see through the bullshit, essentially. When I can sit there and go like, oh, okay, cool, they nominated Get Out. Uh, they're not, they don't want to. They don't mean it, you know? But when they finally start to mean it and they want to actively make that change, I will start to get more on board. When there's more variety. Um, so when it's not just trauma after trauma after trauma after trauma getting, like, variety in these in these movies getting nominated, I'll be there. I, I will. I'll be I'll be down to, to watch. But until then, I'm just I'm not I'm not giving them that time of day. Yeah, I get it. I understand. I got you know, I got no argument for the Oscars. I mean, there are a bunch of, you know, pretentious film nerds who don't understand how and you know, what people want to see. I get that. And, you know, like we've always tried to do with this show is celebrate the work, the importance mm -hmm. of, you know, the films themselves. And uh, we're going to keep doing that. But we also yeah. hope that the Oscars, you know, gets a little more in tune with this stuff. Yeah. There's been a look. Uh, there's a lot of films I like that have Oscar wins, Oscar nominations. Um, I mean, ultimately, like I said at the beginning, it's not because it's Oscars. That I love it. I just really like the film. Like you said, um, one of our coming episodes for here is going to be on Jaws, right? I don't love it because it's an Oscar. Win. I just really love that movie. It's a fantastic film. It's a great film. Um, you know, Science of the Lambs, it's a great film. Uh, Godfather, great film. Yeah, they have Oscar prestige to them. Yeah. But then they, I like them because they're great films. It's just a bonus that, hey, they got a win or a nomination. Yeah. Um, the Oscars. That's the thing. If they were completely shut out, they would still be great films. Ah, this was fun. I'm glad we uh, were able to do this. Uh, you know, obviously not the, ideal scenario for this episode but you know what we made it work we made something i thought was very fun
Yeah, I had more fun than I uh, than I thought. Yeah. Uh, before we get into next week's episode, uh, do you want to lay out some uh, information? You can always uh, follow us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're Filmgasm Productions. You can check out the website, filmgasm.com, for all sorts of reviews and articles and trailers. And um, if you want to support the show, you can click on support this podcast on your provider, and uh, we appreciate it. Next week on Oscar Sunday, as Caleb said, Jaws. <laughs> I love the cow bag early, but I can't say my excitement for Jaws. Oh, oh I get it. Surprisingly, as, not my favorite Spielberg. That still stands at Stress Park for anyone that knows me, but fucking Jaws is up there. My favorite's probably Raiders, but you know what? Jaws is like right the fuck up there. I love Spielberg. Well, mm-hmm. I love who Spielberg used to be. Fun <laughs> <laughs> Spielberg was the best. Yeah, Jaws is one of the few horror films to score a nomination for Best Picture. And as Austin said last week, this episode is sandwiched between two awesome movies. Jaws is the other one. So we're going to be covering Jaws. It's going to be awesome. Uh, we covered it on Filmgasm a long time ago, but it's time to give it the Oscar Sunday treatment and just revisit this epic movie that is one of our, a universal favorite of the entire team. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I can't, can I, can I go ahead and just spill the, spill the means on, on it? Yeah, yeah go nuts. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the guest hosting on, on that episode. Um, being able to talk about Charles. I think you guys when you did on Filmgasm, I believe was when I was on deployment, so I was not able to uh, participate. Um, so I'm really looking forward to doing to this and to an extent being able to give out my own awards for a film I've seen a thousand times. I have the the 4K of it now, so I'm I am looking forward to fucking busting that open, see how glorious that thing looks in 4K yeah. on my TV. So I'm I'm very excited to talk about Jaws. Oh hell yeah, man, me too. Uh, we're creeping up to two, to uh, hundred episodes of Oscar Sunday, so uh, you know we're we got a lot of cool shit coming up to celebrate uh, hundred episodes on the Filmgasm podcast. This well, actually, first on uh, sneak preview will be an Oscars recap with either Austin or Caleb, depending on how events unfold. Uh, I will be there; that's a guarantee. <laughs> but it'll be fun, and then you know we'll go through some recent. Uh, I saw The Lost City, so I'll talk a little bit about that. But it will be a mainly Oscars recap show. If, yeah. If I'm on there, I saw Spider Night on Shutter. I'll talk about that. Nice. So I uh, highly recommend uh, that is a short film that you watch when you have time, Connor. It's fucking awesome. I promise you I will if I have time. Uh, Wednesday, we're talking Dracula. Very excited. Filmgasm, Dracula, going yep. classics. Literally watching it as soon as we get in recording this, so I'm very happy, very yeah. excited. I'm looking forward to it as well. And then on Fridays Beyond the Bad, we are finally going into the realm of Star Wars with Star Wars: The Clone Wars, 2008, the animated film that did not do nearly as well as Star Wars is supposed to do, and yet spawned a highly successful and critically acclaimed animated series. That, who who knew? That was the only thing Disney kept canon when they bought the fucking franchise. <laughs> Thank God, because now, you know, what they're doing with their current shows is building off of that big time. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be a fun. It'll be fun talking about Star Wars the first time on this podcast network we've got here. Uh, Hopefully not the last. Um, Well, I'm looking forward to watching the Oscars tonight. And uh, despite all of their problems, it's still a fun award show that celebrates the 
magic of film, which has come to represent so much importance in my life. So I take away whatever I can get from it. And I hope you guys do too. Uh, Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.